thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Ladies, welcome back to Wellness and Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And we are so excited because today's topic is hot, hot. It is like lava, volcanic lava hot. This is the thing that we get so many questions and requests about. Um, it's probably one of the most common reasons women go on the pill. Well, actually, they say that one third of all women go on the pill for this particular reason. And it's one thing that definitely frustrates doctors uh, because they often don't know what to do when a woman presents with some of the symptoms in this uh, situation. Today, we are going to be talking about uh, what is it, Andy? The big one. <laughs> We're talking about amenorrhea. I love how you've uh, you've hyped that up so much. Um, but in particular, we begin. We're going to be talking about the hypothalamic version of amenorrhea. So hypothalamic amenorrhea. Um, now, when we say that, what we actually mean is that there's no period. So it's a woman who has a complete lack of period, uh, and usually they're not ovulating either. And it's because of a change to their hypothalamus in the brain that's creating that. Absolutely. And whenever we have a change in the hypothalamus, we get a change in all our female hormones because of the effect on estrogen, progesterone, luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormones. So this sort of uh, topic is one that we we hear of a lot in practice. I mean, so many of my clients, myself personally over the years, there was times in my life where I was in this situation. And part of one of the great reasons that I went on the pill um, when I was younger too was the typical little miss sporty, totally, you know, high achieving high activity levels, but I was told to go on the pill to sort out my cycle. So let's talk about that. Uh, and you know what? This topic is such presents such as a tricky clinical diagnostic picture. Um, amenorrhea is definitely one of the most difficult conditions that I see in practice to address, um, probably because of the variety of causes, um, but also the complexity of it and the variation between you know women to women or woman to woman. Um, so it makes it a pretty challenging you know clinical conundrum. Um, but before we get into like really detailed specifics. I would love to give a shout out to Colette from Manchester who sent us this question. Um, so one of our gorgeous listeners all the way over from the UK, thank you so much. Um, we love getting your questions and hers in particular was about hypothalamic amenorrhea and, you know, obviously why it happens and what some practical solutions are to address it. So that's absolutely what we're going to talk about today. And as you listen, we're not going to keep saying hypothalamic amenorrhea because it's quite a long mouthful. We're going to shorten <laughs> to HA. So if you hear us refer to HA, we're referring to hypothalamic amenorrhea. Um, it just gives us a quick shortcut so we can run through and get to this topic done. Otherwise, we'll spend half the episode listening to the, those two words. But really, when we look at um, HA, the trick is to address, as Andrea said, all of the different kinds of stress that play a role in HA and trying to focus on your particular type of stress that's causing it. And that's, that's where the problem is that it becomes a very individual situation and woman to woman can have many different underlying sub-causes, um, which is why it's so simple for doctors to hand out contraceptives to fix, and I say fix in, you know, inverted commas there, uh, the problem because it's easier to just throw a Band-Aid solution at it than it is to try and figure out the underlying cause.
menopause, which can be so varied and requires time, energy, effort, and attention, um, and a lot of loving care to really figure out and nut out what the underlying issue is. And sometimes this can be very obvious because it's maybe a physical stress base, and other times it's very complex because it may be an emotional stress base as well. Mm, yeah, exactly, which is why um, it's such a tricky clinical picture. Um, and usually the diagnosis is given as as a diagnosis of exclusion, essentially. So um, there may be a whole host of tests that are performed and without sort of pinpointing one particular thing, they'll typically look at a woman who is under, say, extreme stress, either physically, nutritionally or emotionally, um, and you know, kind of paint them with that brush. And that pretty much means that this condition represents a functional suppression of reproduction, um, which is kind of like a biological response to your life events. Um, And if you think about it from almost like a self-preservational instinct um, response, you can understand why it would happen as well. So when we go into those extreme stressful situations, um, whether or not, like Ash, you were saying it was from, you know, sporting activities, or it could be, um, you know, that in a combination with nutritional restriction or an extremely stressful life event or chronic consistent stress, when we think about how that sympathetic state reacts to our reproductive hormones. Remember from its base level, when we are stressed, the blood diverts away from our reproductive organs because that is definitely not a priority when we're, you know, essentially um, running for our life or being chased by that saber-toothed tiger is what our stress response in our body would think that we are doing irrespective of the trigger. Um, And it also changes a whole bunch of hormones and chemicals in our brain as well. Yeah, so so you literally can't be running from a tiger and have sex on the brain at the same time. (laughs) No. (laughs) And if you could, that that would be pretty impressive. (laughs) But it doesn't happen. And this is where we've got to address this issue because so many ladies, you girls listening, you realize that uh, you probably even noticed yourself how your cycle becomes irregular or absent at times of really high stress. Now, it may come back again. So you may not have, you know, a chronic um, HA situation. But for other ladies that are listening, we've got those requests to talk about this because it can be one, two, three, four, five years or more without a period, a true period. And we've got to define the difference there between what we call a real bleed and an artificial bleed thanks to the contraceptive pill, because that's a big one mm-hmm. where I've constantly had clients or patients tell me that, oh, it's okay, I still get my periods, but they're referring to the bleed that happens in the cycle of their pill taking. And that's a really uh, unfortunate problem because they still think that uh, their fertility is being protected. And in fact, when they come off the pill, they still have the hard work to do to restore their fertility. And yet really, and it's that's the scary thing because it's creating a a mask, it's covering up. And so the issue at hand is still there when you come off the pill, when you actually do want to fall pregnant. And that's a really scary time Mm -hmm. because women get really frustrated or fearful because suddenly they go, but hang on, I'm off the pill 12 months later. I still don't have a cycle. I'm still, you know, not, not falling pregnant. I don't even know if I'm ovulating. Like all of this, this stuff is still there. And it may have been masked for many years being on the pill, just like it was for me. And one of the really scary things about that is a lot of women who are, um, say, really elite athletes in their teenage years mm-hmm. may have this presentation of what they think might be hypothalamic amenorrhea, um, and then they may not actually have a period or a bleed at all. The doctor will put them on the pill at about 17 because they should be having some sort of period. So let's, you know, artificially stimulate some kind of bleed. And then 10 years later when they've stopped 
that type of activity and they come off the pill or they try to potentially have babies or whatever it might be, getting back or actually starting that period in the first place is next to impossible because they may have actually had primary amenorrhea in the first place. So they may not have ever actually had a real period. So for us to stimulate that now, I shouldn't say it's next to impossible because that's very doom and gloom, but it is a hell of a lot more difficult than what it would be if someone actually had a natural cycle first. Um, So if any of you mothers are listening and you've got teenage girls who are in that category where they might be very competitive athletes who haven't had a period yet, please don't put them on the pill, particularly until they've had a natural period. Um, yeah, it, that would be the strongest advice I could give you. And so just to define the why, because I think, you know, we call you, we love to call you the period whisperer. Dr. Andrew is <laughs> our period whisperer. But, you know, from the things that I finally learned later on after I realized that the pill was not doing me any favors, the difference is that a real bleed from the natural hormones of estradiol and progesterone um, that are made by your ovaries gives you a monthly cycle around 28 days and that's because you know your body knows what to do with its hormones it, it brings those cycles up and down and they they sort of work like a symphony we've talked about that many times before the difference is a pill bleed is a chemical withdrawal from the pharmaceutical steroids um, yeah. and some of these could be such as like ethanol estradiol and um, levonorgestrel which is you know these are just uh, as close as they can get to the natural form that we are creating ourselves as women but they're not the same. So they're, sa- you know, that, that in Thailand, same, same, but different. It's exactly it. They're similar, but not the same. They actually have different structures. And even though it's a small difference, it's a very big difference in your body. So, you know, like, um, oh, let's talk progesterone, for example, it quiets the brain, brain and can calm anxiety. But the counter of that, they use the levin, is it, le- yeah, levonorgestrel is the most common one that actually excites the brain and can cause anxiety. So, you know, women who go on the pill and suddenly, increase their anxiety it's just simply because they're mucking around with those hormones and that chemistry so yeah look the difference where the real period is not the same as a withdrawal bleed on the pill and if we haven't got that into your head yet um, then please take it on board today because in order to to heal and overcome ha you have got to start to look at hormones for what they are and that's the real ones versus the synthetics that we're trying to you know play around with the body with yeah totally so let's talk about the real ones um but Before we do that, let's just sort of paint a bit of a picture for any of you who don't know what HA, (laughs) that's a bit quicker, symptomatically don't know what that might look like. Just remember there's a bit of, um, you know, variation here, but classically, and I say classically, who are affected are usually underweight. So usually it's greater than 10% below what their ideal body weight might be. Um, They might report recent and rapid weight loss as well. They may engage in strenuous exercise or they may be that elite athlete. Um, They often, and I say this classically, so this is like the textbook person um, might exhibit sort of abnormal eating patterns. They may expend more calories than what they take in. Um, Often they'll have higher fiber intakes according to the research as well. um, And they'll have a lower percentage body fat than what other cycling women will have. And this is a lot about why it actually happens in the first place. Um, And the amount of weight loss or that exercise threshold that they actually have will also relate to the time that it takes to induce sort of amenorrhea. So depending on how extreme their weight loss or their exercise might be, may sort of have a direct relationship with how severe that condition might be. 
Yeah, definitely. And look, in order for your body to function well, it has to. So you've you've talked primarily about the the physiological components of that stress response, mm-hmm. um, but your body's got to you know feel safe, and that's physiologically, but also psychologically. And so you know your mental stress hurts your fertility just as much as the physical stresses. So you might be trying to lose weight, but anything that um, is involving the mental stress, and this is like you said, the A types, the pressure, ambition, you know, your work life, um, any sort of body image issues, or low self esteem, or disordered eating, these are all things that connect back, and your body will not exhibit normal function when it perceives stress because it goes into its protective mechanism. So it's no wonder that so many women struggle with this, particularly with our fast paced life where we're you know like yeah under sleeping over overachieving uh, well i don't know if you can overachieve can you overachieve i don't think you can we're, we're all drivers we, <laughs> so we're like a true a-type personality ash <laughs> you can totally you know be an overachiever yeah yes. you know yeah under sleep you know over exercise um you know t- rapid fat loss weight loss all those sorts of things and that's where we struggle with it so symptomatically you can understand now why you could be feeling fatigue or having issues with um you know depression some anxiety, even things like low sex drive. So low libido as well is something that could be a hallmark of this this package of, I guess, symptoms that should alert you to the fact that um, your HA may have many different causes. And just because you've gone and improved your eating patterns, for example, which is a common thing, I'll just put on a bit more weight and it'll come back. And women do this, put on a bit more weight, feel a little bit stressed by putting on that bit more weight. And guess what? They still haven't got their cycles back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I guess irrespective of, of whatever the cause might be, these women um, from a clinical perspective always exhibit an abnormal gonadotrophin releasing hormone secretion. So this is one of the major hormones that's released from our hypothalamus in our brain that then projects into our anterior pituitary which is kind of almost like our master control system for all our endocrine function. And your pituitary gland then produces your follicular stimulating hormone and your luteinizing hormone, and it's responsible for that secretion. So when we don't have any gonadotrophin-releasing hormone, that pulsatile action of that, that your hypothalamus controls, then it's not going to stimulate and regulate your FSH and your LH, which is what is needed to peak that ovulation and then drop off and change and go through that ebb and flow that creates also that that stimulation to our ovaries to produce progesterone and est- progesterone and estrogen which is what you know is the hallmark of the hormonal changes throughout our cycle as well and also from a clinical perspective um, these women typically will have low levels of FSH uh, sometimes luteinizing hormone as well and typically low estrogen too. Yeah, so they're things we can actually check for on a blood screen as well. So if you've got a blood test, you could actually see lower levels of this. Um, question is, do you always need to blood test for everything? Because, you know, again, it's using resources when the clinical practice can be often very clear, but it can be a good rule out if you feel as though you've tried a lot of things and you're not getting mm-hmm. any results. Um, it's certainly a, not a bad option to get a blood screen and get your blood works done and have a look at these hormone levels um, more than anything just to create a diagnostic approach to say, well, yes, this certainly is the problem. Now we need to look at the stress points that are causing this and the answer is not to start artificially stimulating or replacing or supplementing or changing these mm-hmm. hormones with pharmaceuticals, okay? 
the, yeah, definitely not. The big question has to be uh, why, 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 why? You know, you, and if the doctor says to you, hey, these, oh, these are all low and we need to start, why? But why are they low? What's the driving force behind that? What's causing that? Because uh, unless you get to the underlying cause, you don't create a solution, you don't improve your fertility and you don't improve your health and well-being and uh, not in the immediate future and not in the long-term future either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so let's look at some things that that we can look at to help to kind of mitigate this. So we're going to say how to get your period back, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like how to restore this. that. How, now, how can we restore the period? Let me preface this with this may not be an easy thing. Mm-hmm. This usually requires quite a few things. It re- definitely requires practitioner support um, and it can take a long time. So for as long as you have not had your period, hopefully it won't take that long to get it back, but for some women it can. Um, So just don't lose faith. Um, There are markers we can test along the way to see how things are tracking and when hopefully you may be able to expect it. So all those hormones that I told you that were low, Interestingly enough, cortisol is usually high as well. So that cortisol secretion, which, you know, kind of marries perfectly in with that stress response. And when cortisol returns to normal on baseline testing, this normally happens a few months before the period will actually return. So as we see cortisol normalizing, hopefully the period will lead on after that, but it can take a few months. Um, So anything that will address cortisol reduction or normalization is going to help this. Um, But there's easier things to look at than than just that. And because this is very much an energy expenditure issue, the first place we want to look is our food. Um, Now, I know that that can be a bit of a challenging uh, conundrum for a lot of women, particularly if they are that A-type personality. Um, You've always counted calories because of, say, your sporting demands because your performance was, you know, might have been based on your body fat percentage as well. Um, But if regaining your cycling capacity, if having a regular period and balanced hormones is important to you, then you've got to make some changes. It's as simple as that. Um, so when it comes to food, I have read on so many different forums that when um, you need to increase your calories, particularly for this condition, that quantity is important, not quality. And I could not disagree more. Um, the quality of the things that you eat is so, so important because remember, your hormones are made of fat and protein. So that's what kind of make up all of those little hormonal molecules. So that is what you need to feed your system with as best quality as possible and also as high bioavailability as possible. But yeah, just a quick, yeah, I was just jumping in because I was going to say, but you can't rely on them solely as your source of calories. Um, this is where I've had major concerns because there's a really popular trend right now to go low carb diets. Mm-hmm. So the low calorie, low carb diets. But as a woman, we need carbohydrates and we need more of them. Oh, than, totally. And we need more of them than men do because too little carbohydrates also tells it's a it's a, a response, a, a trigger, a starvation response, which also tells your hypothalamus in the brain that it disrupts your luteinizing hormone and shuts down your relation too so you know we think that sometimes oh yeah we this new fashion low carb is the way ketogenesis which is fantastic but doesn't always help women okay and this is where i've always had the little caveat of you know this new trend of exogenous ketones i'm like yeah okay that's great you'll lose a lot of fat and a lot of weight um what about your cycle oh yeah i've lost that too what is it you celebrating that because <laughs> i sure hope not that's not telling me a, a woman is healthy that's telling me there's something going wrong now 
Yeah, just remember, women are absolutely supposed to have a period. This is a very normal physiological function of your body. It is, yep. and I like to call it, it's your monthly monthly report card of how your system is functioning. So that that woman, what's her name? Freely, the banana girl, who was saying that not having a period is a sign of a really clean body that's toxin free, is the biggest load of crap. But we're not even going to go into that because you ladies <laughs> are so much smarter than that. Um, okay, so when it comes to food, first and foremost, don't skip meals, and also don't skip breakfast. So intermittent fasting for women who don't have a period is a terrible idea. Correct. Um, So I would be eating as soon as you get up in the morning, which is going to help to re-regulate cortisol and blood sugar levels. So get up, eat within about 30 minutes of waking up. Um, Make sure you're having really good quality protein, fat, and carbohydrates with every single meal. Okay. You need those three things minimum with every single meal. Um, You can do some very technical calculations for the amount of calories that you'll need to take in depending on your energy expenditure. And there's plenty of um, websites that can help you figure that out. We'll post them on Facebook so that you can have a look and, you know, plug those in. If you are an athlete and you need, you know, some technical data on that, not a problem. We'll send you those. Um, And when it comes to food, the other rules are make sure you're eating when you're hungry. Uh, So try not to get to the point where you're really, really starving. Blood sugar levels are getting really low. So that consistency can be important as well. I definitely would not be suggesting a vegetarian or a vegan diet in these situations. And I know that this might be difficult for some people, but the bioavailability and the quality of the protein in animal products is going to really help to speed up that process of regulating your hormones so much better than what you can get from plant-based foods, unfortunately. So if this is a tricky thing for you, see if you can just work on something like eggs. The bioavailability of protein and amino acids or your amino acids and your good fats from eggs um, is amazing. So if you can tolerate that um, but no other animal protein or you don't want to go down that route, then even if you can just include eggs, then that's a really great start. Isn't it fascinating too how nature has these mirrors of uh, anatomy like eggs and avocados? Just look at them. <laughs> Isn't that curious? Yeah. And yet they provide a woman with so much of what she needs for uh, for for good fertility and they just look like ovaries. I, I, I've always smiled at that and thought, isn't that fascinating? It's kind of, you know, the ovary and the egg, it's it's all in there and here we are with um, avocados and, and eggs as a highly recommended food if you're trying to restore your periods. Um, another big one too, what's your view as well? For example, we've got a lot of issues. You can be eating a whole lot of good food. The big issue here is uh, gut health too, isn't it? We've really got to look at a woman's gut health to make sure she's bringing in good foods but actually digesting and assimilating oh, those foods really absolutely. well. Um, so sometimes the hormonal stuff that's causing chaos for you actually needs to start with uh, restoring gut microflora, gut uh, microbiome before you can actually restore the health of your fertility. So that's an interesting mm-hmm. one because it's you, this is why we say if you could fix it alone, I think everyone would have done that already. If you're listening to this and feeling frustrated because it hasn't been sorted out, um, it really is a is a one-on-one situation where each woman has a different set point for her hormonal needs and that's why talking to someone and having you know expert guidance in this is going to help you get there faster. Um, I have no doubts about that mm-hmm. because having the, the big picture view and understanding that comes from so many different angles, it could simply be that to your gut function 
environment is so poor that until you fix that, you won't be able to fix this. So you could dump in great supplements, dump in great good whole foods, clean up your lifestyle, you know, re- restore your exercise um, ratio with the what you know energy you're using and what energy you're taking out, and and it's suddenly you go, oh my gosh, and it was all the gut in the first place. So yeah, we we definitely encourage you to talk to the right people to get this one sorted out. Yeah, definitely, because you can be eating the best nutrients but not actually assimilate or absorb them. Mm. Um, so depending on, you know, a whole host of different sort of gastrointestinal symptoms, but, um, you know, sometimes you can have that that peristaltic rush where you can't actually assimilate anything that you're taking in and then everything kind of just comes out without actually nutrient um, sort of extraction from the food that you're eating. So that's why working with a functional practitioner is essential as well. Um, All right. So one of the biggest and hardest ones is actually managing your stress. And because there is no, uh, I guess, you're talking about psych- no, no. psychological stress. Yeah, yeah there's, there's yeah. no proper set point for where this should be, right? Mm. And most women like will recalibrate that kind of what what would be a tolerable stress point, whether that's physically, nutritionally, or emotionally, to a much higher gradient than when they think that they're not stressed. But by any you know any standards and any functional testing, their body is under so much stress. Um, and the challenging thing with this is as well is typically these women are that A type personality, so their stress set point is usually much higher as well. Their self-critical analysis is always so much greater than what it might be for someone who doesn't have this condition as well. So it's almost ingrained in them to be hyper vigilant with everything and that personality trait can be part of that you know cyclic pattern that actually exacerbates the condition so i would absolutely encourage anyone who is having difficulty with the fact that they need to increase their caloric intake or that they need to increase their BMI or their body fat percentage, if that sounds really scary to you, then you need to actually address the underlying psychological issues as to why that's happening in the first place. Um, So working with a really good, hopefully holistic, maybe psychologist, for example, could be a really good place to start. Oh, gosh, if only emotions are so easy to control and tame, it, uh, <laughs> they're the things that drive our entire will, don't they? Our experience of the world is an emotional response to what we see, what we hear, smell, taste and touch. So um, it's certainly great if you've got your stress management I guess strategies in place already. Um, if you've never heard of meditation, then it's time to get get into that for sure. Um, if you've never incorporated some of the, I guess, more – harmonic more harmonious activities i mean ladies i'll dog myself in andy's already said i'm the a-type i absolutely am this is me and this was me and i'll say was because i've worked really hard to get past that point mind you a newborn baby has pushed me straight back into some of the old mechanisms that got me you know in the rut of hormonal problems in the past so it's fascinating because i'm gonna have to go back to some of the tools that worked so well before because i'd already sort of gone past needing those tools you know they they sort of Mm. of things that i'd overcome over time so you need to manage the stress and how you do that we say this all the time it's so personal but there's some commonalities to all of it one is get your headspace right and to do that you either need 
someone else to help you do that or you need to work hard and daily on positive affirmations, you know, good positive body imagery through self-love practices. So it could be, you know, massaging your body in front of the mirror, saying, hey, I'm beautiful, I'm wonderful, just as I am, start to love your body the way it is. Um, it could be simple things as going for a walk with girlfriends and unloading, you know, just having that emotional release can be enough to to like take the weight off your shoulders and that will uh, reduce your stress point as well with cortisol drives. What other ideas have you got for ladies, Andy, that you think that you find a lot of women respond really well to? Um, well, it was interesting uh, just listening to your language there as well, Ash, where you were saying you need to work, you know, good and hard at this. And usually <laughs> that is not an issue with these women. So yeah. um, my personal experience with the women that I see in practice who, you know, have this, they will follow the advice to AT with military precision, <laughs> which is part of the problem. That's, so yeah, that, part that's of their true. homework is yeah. um, doing something every single day that brings you blissful joy. So surrender to so, the stuff that's the fun stuff. Have more fun. Think, which is why for you, Ash, I think Ollie is such a good teacher for you to actually surrender and let go. Oh, <laughs> hell yes. And if I haven't already had that big slap in the face, then uh, it's going to come up again and again and again, as any mother knows, that uh, you think you've got it. And then two days later, it's like, oh, I haven't got this. What the heck? <laughs> I'm an organiser. I've got this stuff covered. And no, absolutely not. So yeah, I'm laughing at myself with all of this because even as you're describing things, I'm smiling, thinking, oh, my God, look in the mirror, Ash. <laughs> exactly. So a yeah. lot of joy and bliss every day and almost the things that it induce a lot of laughter as well just to help to reduce all of that stress. Um, meditation, absolutely, and I think variety is very important with that too. So I everything that creates that pattern of getting into almost a routine you want to try and shift away from yeah. because you'll almost approach then meditation with that military-like precision um, and then you'll just start to go through the motion. So potentially doing a guided meditation that you shift around a lot, um, focusing on breath work or it could be even changing to, say, binaural beats or um, going to a meditation class in a group of people. You know, all of those things that has variety has shown to be very helpful with this. Um, the other thing that I like to encourage is, is obviously movement because you cannot tell these women not to exercise because that will induce more psychological stress for them than anything else. So what we want to focus on is movement rather than exercise. And for, for a period of time, I will absolutely encourage them not to do any kind of strenuous exercise. Um, so we can use markers for this um, and it can be things like, um, you know, heart rate variability, um, what their, you know, max load is, all of that sort of stuff, but just focusing on movement rather than exercise. So instead it could be gentle yoga. And I mean gentle. When I say yoga to some women, they're like, great, I'm going to go to a um, – like a hot yoga class. Yeah, <laughs> sweat it out class. and, yeah, you know, pump. Like, yeah. Hang on. Yeah. No, no, we're talking gentle yoga with good breath work. So things like yin yoga or just a really gentle vinyasa flow or something like that um, I think is a great idea. Um, qigong or tai chi as well. Um, so helping to slow down, focus on the breath and things that conjure energy um, and so bring in energy rather than deplete the system are perfect. Um, and you can definitely do these things every day, but no regimented exercise more than two to three times a week. 
Yeah, so you really got to dial down the intensity. So it's you're not that high intensity aerobic exercise we're talking about. You don't want to be doing those high intensity interval interval works um, because that's interesting because that's the stuff we think we need to do as women because they say they're but yeah they're the fat burners. You know you do your your um your high intensity short interval workouts and you're going to get the best bang for your buck. Um, but in this case, <laughs> best bang well yeah best bang at killing off your reproductive cycles that's for sure. So um, <laughs> and look. Yeah, absolutely right. Like, you know, that kind of hit training definitely induces that hormetic stress, which is great, but your body's already in that state constantly. So you don't need more of that. Um, I, there's a woman that I've been, that I worked with for a while who had hypothalamic amenorrhea for two years. And every day she would ask me, can I run yet? Can I run yet? Can I run yet? And it wasn't until she actually stopped asking me that, that I was actually going to let her do any form of physical activity. <laughs> yeah, um, fascinating. Fortunately, her cycle returned in six weeks, which was much, much quicker than, than what we expected, which was fantastic. And that's not classic. Sometimes it takes a lot longer. Um, but it was that, that pattern of, um, that constant urge to need to do heavy physical exertion that I think helps to create that positive headspace for them because of the endorphin release and that sense of control. But that's part of that problem. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So basically, I think, you know, ladies, you've got to think of this as what all of the strategies are to restore your cycles, restore a healthy period cycle is that you've got to find a balance point that convinces your body that it's no longer in danger. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, the combinations of that formula is different for each woman. But whatever works for you is going to be what works for you. So, you know, dialing down that exercise, um, relaxing more, slowing it down, good whole foods, good nutrition, increasing what you eat. And that's the scary part for a lot of women, increasing mm -hmm. the quality of what you eat, um, relaxing where, as you eat. So rather than being on the run as you eat, you know, eating in the car as you're driving to work, um, eating at your office desk because you don't have time for a break, you have to consciously start to bring food as nourishment back into your life. It's not just mm -hmm. an inconvenience as you go about your day. So we need to restore our, our I guess, positive image about food and eating, meal times, time to relax, time to connect with others, slow it down. Don't be afraid to have, you know, a long evening meal such as talking as you do. Slow everything down a bit. Just dial it all down um, because that's going to tell your body, oh, wow, I'm safe. There's nothing chasing me today. I'm not yeah. running from anything. I'm okay. Oh, wow, she's slowed down for a second. Oh, wow, I'm, I'm getting food, you know, um, taking 20 minutes rather than four minutes. There must be something different. And that allows your hormone system to reset and recalibrate too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, of course, all of the classic you know, health choices that we talk about every single episode are going to help with this. Um, but specifically, anything that brings you that bliss and joy is going to be so, so beneficial. Um, we could go into very specifics with supplementation, which I'm not going to do because you really need to work with your functional practitioner for this. Um, just as a baseline guide, I would absolutely suggest anything that's going to help to decrease that cortisol stress load. Um, magnesium for women is just for any kind of hormonal imbalance. It's absolutely essential. So, you know, a, a magnesium deficiency is actually a key driver of hormonal imbalance. Um, magnesium can also help with that rest um, and will help to get you to have a good night's sleep, which is essential for rebalancing hormones, particularly anything like this. So getting a good night's sleep 
is critical. And remember, we talk about this all the time, join the 10 p.m. club. So in bed by 9.30 to be asleep by 10. Do whatever you got to do to get to bed at that time. Now, if you're a shift worker, that's a little bit tricky. We're going to talk about that in another episode. So, you know, just kind of hold on to your hats for that one. Um, but working with your functional practitioner for this is is going to be key because a lot of this is about support that you need from other people too. Um, and don't be afraid to ask for help. A lot of women who I've worked with that have HA feel, um, feel like they're less than a woman. You know, they feel much less feminine because they're actually not getting that regular period or that cycle, they feel like there's some part of their body that's lacking and that they're completely out of touch with. And that's really tragic for women because you should be able to feel that innate femininity that all women should have. Um, so make sure that you're spending time with your girlfriends, that you're allowing yourself to tap into that really beautiful feminine headspace um, because that's going to help to decrease a lot of that that stress load too. Yeah. So ladies, it takes time to recover. Okay. So give yourself the time and the space and you're looking at three to six months, you know, before you can really assess well, whether or not things are working in your favor. But, um, I think you'll already get some good indicators as you start to sleep more, relax more, start to feel better. Some of the, you know, I guess the symptomatic signs might ease or lift or change. Um, but if you have concerns, you really do need to work with your functional practitioners because these are things that are, you don't need to go it alone. There's only so much Dr. Google can help you uh you know work with someone stay on track with someone be uh supported mentored and and be checked regularly by someone who can help you and guide you so ladies you know what this is a big topic and it's, and it's a bit scary it's a bit daunting and i know if you haven't had your cycle for a while it could be um you might be happy about it to be honest i've met many women that are like think it's great i'm just going to tell you it's not great <laughs> sorry to say that but mm -hmm. it's just so important to understand the why behind it so if you've taken anything away from today we hope you understand that you've looked at things like your diet um, because dietary stress, such as under calories, so not taking enough calories, not taking in enough of the right carbohydrates, uh, not enough good quality fats and proteins can be affecting your body's sense of safety. Same with mental, emotional safety as well. If there's underlying causes, if there's past hurts, pains, things you're holding on to, things that you're storing up, you know, mentally as the baggage in your backpack, I would say rocks in the backpack. You know, it's like you're carrying around a backpack every day and each little bit of baggage in life carries, you throw another stone in the back of your backpack and somehow as the years go on, you are dragging around this rock-laden heavy backpack. It's time to unload. You start to throw some of those stones out as you understand and accept some of the injuries past per or present that are experienced in your emotional life. So until you control that stuff, you're going to really struggle um, to overcome this particular condition. And mm -hmm. then, of course, the last one, stress, there is the chemical stress, so physical, chemical, emotional. We're looking at all of those aspects. So, you know, reduce your physical stress as well, and that is to bring back things that make you feel good, more fun in your life, more laughter in your life, you know, less high-intensity activity, more uh, fun in general. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, and ladies, just as a final thought, just trust your body's innate intelligence as well. If your system is too deficient to have a period, it's for a reason. Mm. Um, so just trust that this process has happened for a reason. It's part of your body's self-preservational instincts because if you're too deficient to have a period, most likely you'll be too deficient to produce an offspring. So that's kind of, you know, through our biological evolution, this is why this happens. Um, all right. We are going to post a whole bunch of resources online because we know 
know that you're going to need that. So look for us on, you know, any of our social media channels. So facebook.com forward slash the wellness women. Um, please leave your comments on the episode there. Let us know what you've tried, what's worked for you. Was there any particular practitioners or modalities that you worked with that you loved? Um, and also your information is going to help other women who are experiencing this as well. Um, you can find us on Instagram underscore the wellness women as well. You can absolutely consult with us personally too. So just go to the wellnesswomen.com.au. You can see our personal practices there. Um, and ladies, look, apart from that, we would love to hear from you. We would love your questions. So thank you again, Colette from Manchester, who sent this one in. Um, and ladies, until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.